This is Jasmine Friedel, and you're listening to The Progression Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Progression Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Onfido. Onfido are a London-based startup that helps companies onboard customers quickly and securely using AI to compare ID documents to facial biometrics. If you've ever taken a short video of yourself while signing up to a financial service or online marketplace, you may have used their product already. Onfido are always on the lookout for talented designers to join the team and are currently looking for someone to fill their design ops role. If managing an evolving design system sounds interesting to you, go to onfido.com slash jobs, O-N-F-I-D-O dot com slash jobs for more information. This week I chatted to Jasmine Friedel. Jasmine is now a director of design at Intercom, but has worked at Facebook, uh, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, Udacity. We go deep on being honest and open as a leader in order to help your team to better understand you. We talk about having a deliberate career and not just stumbling into the next job that you go into and helping others to do the same. Jasmine talks about her background as a Mennonite Christian and how that influenced how she thinks now and and how that created barriers for her in owning her own career, uh, which is a journey it sounds like she's still on. Uh, It was a really interesting conversation. So enjoy. Jasmine, it's fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you. I was scrolling back through various conversations that we've had over the last year. And you know what I realized is that... What's that? Back in June, uh-huh. when June last year, 2018, when I was just at the point where I was trying to work out what the hell to do with my blank sheet of paper uh-huh. uh, and starting to realize that other people were struggling to create their progression frameworks in the same way that I had struggled to create mine. Yes. I got on Slack uh, and um, talked to you about it. <laughs> and I think you had asked a question uh, on a Slack that we're both on. Uh, about that and I took that opportunity to kind of chat to you um, and that was you know that was really before the inception of anything that I've started doing so yeah. in many ways I have you to thank ah so. stop it now <laughs> I want to go back and check that, sl- that slack um, yeah I remember I do remember chatting with you and I was excited with about what you were starting to do because career paths are hard man um Getting people to know what their expectations are and what the steps, first of all, like even clarification of expectations is just, it's its an obstacle for so many folks, not even just practitioners, but leaders too. So getting them to not only get those expectations, but then have a clear path and clear steps, like, I'm so excited that you decided to chase this down. It's, nece- <laughs> yeah, well, it's necessary, you know? The, uh, the thrill of the chase is still, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm still very much at that stage. But I want to go all the way all the way back and, and, you know, not talk about that. I want to talk about you. Uh, and I would love to start by introducing, or by you introducing yourself to uh, me and the progression audience. What's your background and kind of uh, your journey to date and where do you find yourself now? Our journey to date would take forever. Um, so I'll give you, I'll give you the abbreviated version. Um, so I'm one of those folks who has like the old school graphic design, um, degree. So I finished up undergrad at Iowa State University in 2002, um, and happened to come out to the Bay area at the time where everything was sort of falling apart due to the dot-com bust. And so 
without going into details, let's just say that I didn't get a design job right away. Um, and ended up having to come back a little bit later in life to pursue design, went back to grad school, put together a, an app project for my thesis, and I had never designed an app before and somehow wiggled my way into this world of UX design and then product design. Um, so I've had, I've had this career that's kind of like at times been really like lethargic and slow. And then at times, especially recently, has just like flown um, and one of the things I'm, I'm trying not to hide by any means, but I'm just so, sort of starting to own is that I went straight from, um, an IC to a director level, um, ha- and have really been able to, to hold my own and lead and, and, um, do some pretty like things, great things or things that I'm at least proud of as a director. So now my current role, um, I'm the head of design locally here in SF at Intercom, um, and I'm, I love this role because I, have a, I actually have a partner who's also a head of design, our director of design in um, Dublin. Um, his name is Emmett, and he's wonderful. And it's sort of this place where I get to lead, but I, I get to co-lead. Um, and I think that's a really special thing for to have a partner in this game when you're sort of like top company design leadership. Yeah, they say it's lonely at the top, right? It is, and I like... When you when you leave a company, when you are in the um, when you have the opportunity to leave, sort of proactively, and I know not everybody has that, but it's just such a cool thing to be able to sit back and think about, like, hey, what do what do I want for my next role, and what do I not want for my next role? Um, and to be perfectly frank, like that's I'm not very I haven't up until this point been very good about doing those re- really thorough evaluations. Um, but this time, one of the things that I wanted was I wanted partnership in design leadership, and I got it. <laughs> I, said I wanted it, and then I went for it, you know? Absolutely. Um, so uh, previous to Intercom, I mean, you've been at some companies that a lot of people will have heard of, um, Facebook and the, the yeah. Hans Zuckerberg Initiative and Udacity, uh, uh, amongst others. Do you think that that has made it easier for you to then go after that kind of leadership position. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think there's two ways that people can look at it. I think it's either like, you know, oh, the name of Facebook is enough to carry you forward. And I think that's partially true. You know, any of the big tech companies here in um, Silicon Valley, like, you know, LinkedIn and Google and um, Dropbox and Airbnb and um, Facebook, those, they have really great reputations. But the thing to like sort of focus on is the other part is that they have really accelerated um, design. I mean, you have a really accelerated design experience there. Like I, I like to say, like I, I grew up at Facebook in my design career. Like I came in as a as a sort of junior designer and very quickly became a senior designer and then a, a lead designer beyond that um, at CZI. And it's it's very intensive. And so, like I, I guess I, I kind of think of it as like a boot camp of sorts. So when you come out and you do, you know, when I did my first, I hadn't interviewed in something like six years or seven years when I interviewed at Udacity. Like I've only interviewed like maybe seven times in my <laughs> career. It's nuts. But when I came out and interviewed at Udacity, like I, this was sort of a, a good sort of test. It's like I, I, I knew what I was doing by that time. I might not have had the chance to sort of test myself in the outside world, but then I also had, you know, that reputation of these companies that there's a great design culture there and that there's great design leadership and that there's skills that come out of those companies. So I think it's like a little bit of both of those things. Yeah, absolutely. 
to uh, the, what you just mentioned just before around, uh, I suppose, being deliberate about your design career. And this is something that I saw that you've blogged about uh, fairly recently. Uh, it took me a while to read your blog post and I'm, I'm actually just going to read the first bit of it. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, <laughs> well, you know, when, when two people on a podcast talk about a blog post that no one's read, it's kind of, uh, you know, pointless. But, uh, okay, so it goes, uh, the title is Bad Decisions and Wrong Turns, One Girl's Guide to Career Success. Uh, we've all gotten career No one's advice. read this one, by the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll get your numbers up. Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really appreciate people that don't attempt to clickbait their way to to more numbers you know if 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 it's meant to be read then it's meant to be read but yeah it's never okay so I'll, I'll have a little read of this uh we've all gotten career advice work hard don't settle ask for what you want don't sweat the small stuff asking for help isn't a sign of weakness it's a sign of strength don't be afraid to take risks dress for the job you want love what you do yada 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 for those of you who have gone after career growth with all that tried and true advice and it's failed you i'm here to tell you there's another way the following advice is composed of methods i've implemented effectively in my career and i like to think these are exactly the things that got me to where I am today and then there's a list of four things avoid risk at all costs keep your expectations low know how much is out of your control and wait for good things to happen to you and so I got to that point and I thought hold on Um, it's amazing I've had any success at all so uh as you can imagine uh, the, the well, and as you know, but uh, as people would imagine, the the article then kind of goes on to to talk about how maybe that isn't such a good idea, and these are the opposite of of what you should be doing. One thing that I see for sure when I talk to designers, I mean, many people in many walks of life for sure, but especially designers, and and that's what we both know, is all of these things are happening, and they're not deliberate decisions at all. I mean, there are really very few longer term decisions uh being made definitely around the point Mm -hmm. uh, around the point at which you switch jobs um or around the point at which you're thinking of applying for a job or or asking for a promotion or all of those things it's much easier and safer to stay in your lane and um and not take risks and uh just kind of drift into the next thing that's right for you and i just wondered if i it sounds like these are some things that you have tripped up on yourself and i just wondered if there's uh there are some stories in there of... Yeah. It's funny. I was just reading um, Margaret Lee, who's a design leader at Google. Um, she did a talk, I think it was at um, the London Leading Design Conference last year, um, on insights from a reluctant leader. And I was just rereading her Medium post um, about how there's like cultural... Um, our cultural backgrounds have implications on our... How, how we lead. And um, I, I relate to that. You know, I'm, I'm white. I'm from America. Like, I have so much privilege. But there's a lot of things that, like, I, that I grew up with or that sort of happened to me that really I've sort of infused into how I look at my career. And it's only been sort of recently that I've had to intentionally break free from some of that. And, I'll, like, the, the, the super short of it, without getting into too much like, you know, mommy and daddy issues are, <laughs> I grew up in a, like a, a super religious home um, in the Midwest, actually went to school, um, went to a Mennonite school, which is 
like a very, very conservative religion, you know, no, no, um, they, they, it's not like the Amish, they, they, they actually drive cars and stuff, but, you know, very, a very simple valued life. That experience for me made me, really made me think, made me believe that I didn't need to have ambition and that my purpose was really that of a religious one, you know, an afterlife and things like that. And it's so interesting when you take that sort of like, you know, that, that Christianity, that cultural background, and, and like that's actually huge here in the U.S. Like purpose has a very different meaning than sort of like a purpose in this world. And so a lot of, a lot of I think, actually, I, I don't think, I know a lot of the things that I'm sort of dealing with now in sort of taking charge and being intentional actually have to come from a realization that I need to create my own purpose. And I got to tell you, like, that's such a weird place to be when you're like, I literally just turned 40 last week, two weeks ago. And it's like such a weird place to be when you're sort of in your late 30s, just turning 40 to like figuring out, oh, what am I supposed to do here? Oh, I'm actually supposed to like take charge of my life. I'm actually supposed to take charge of my career. So I think that like that intentionality has really been compounded for me. But then I also go back and I look around and I think of all the folks that I've worked with and the more junior designers that I've, I've mentored and they're kind of like just sitting around waiting for things to happen. Cool. Well, I want to get a promotion to senior designer. Okay. How do you get there? Well, I think I'm doing it. Okay. Well, how do you know you're doing it? Well, I, I don't really know. You know, I haven't, there's no, there's no rubric. There's no evaluation. I haven't actually talked to anyone. I just want it, but I, and I want it to be given to me. And I think that sort of goes back to why I ended up writing that post. And it's like, what are, what are the things? And I don't know, everybody's lives are different and everybody's experiences are different, but what are the things that are sort of like letting us feel comfortable in those stages that we don't actually take that ownership? Uh, there's this fantastic quote, um, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And um, <laughs> yeah. I keep coming back to that because I think that that is exactly what you're talking about is um, definitely when it comes to the the pain of growing and being deliberate about your growth requires a certain amount of self-reflection. And, and with that self-reflection comes finding looking under the rock and finding the things that you're maybe not so good at. Yeah. And, and not even like it's self-reflection that leads to self-awareness. And sometimes that self-reflection isn't enough because you're looking inward and you aren't taking the opportunity to look outward or see yourself in the context or see yourself as a comparison to, you know, what performance is or whatever that is. And so I ended up, I did a talk not too long ago, um, at Design X in Toronto and I was talking about self-awareness and I, I love like, I, <laughs> I hate writing. I hate the pain of writing. <laughs> like, I love it, but I hate it. It's the same thing with like writing a talk. But the one thing that I really enjoyed putting together this one, and it gave me an opportunity, it gave me an excuse to do research. It gave me an excuse to really dig in and want, want to understand what self-awareness really is and really apply that to the context of design. And I found like, I, I found um, there's a woman, I think her name is Natasha Yurik, who basically wrote a book on self-awareness and it was like self-awareness is really not just about like looking internally it's about there is that self-reflection you have to do that but then you have to compare that against somebody else who knows you well their evaluation and put those two things together and that's where you actually sort of like have your not only like how you see yourself but how the world sees you and how the people around you see you um, and I thought that was really interesting to like 
that's that's painful. Like that's really painful. It's like getting feedback, no matter how much we have like radical candor ex- established in our workplaces and in our relationships. Like it's hard when you're not at a place you want to be to actually recognize that there's things that you have to change. Absolutely, and as humans, we do follow the path of least resistance to that. I totally. mean, that, that is completely what your <laughs> what this yes. this piece is about. And um, why would anyone? choose to go down a road which is more painful unless they can see I would still prefer the path is... <laughs> of least resistance no, yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I mean why would anyone choose more pain uh, unless there yeah. is you know a pot of gold at the end or, or you know something something that oh that's interesting so uh, yeah. you know this, this is something that I ponder a lot um, but I have been you know equally and and very guilty of avoiding hard conversations and not wanting to know whether something went well or not because I kind of got through it and the, the rest is yeah. you know, not not actively looking for feedback. Um, That's interesting, like the pot of gold at the end. I guess I hadn't really thought of that. But it's it's like, how do you set up goals or achievements or success metrics in your own life to be able to like make the, the pain worth it? Yeah. I, I guess I, I do think I kind of, of uh, You can kind of take the principles of, I don't know, game theory or, or anything that where you can map incentives in a system and you can apply that on kind of a micro or macro level, I think. And, yeah. and um, you I know, guess that's it feels what we quite do in cynical to do that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately you want to set up a system of incentives where people feel like there's something in it for them to do the thing that you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just even saying that, I kind of feel a bit sick in my mouth, but like that is <laughs> fundamentally like how humans work. So uh, you kind of... <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. These moments that you have gone through to get to, I don't want to call it enlightenment, but you know... Uh, uh, <laughs> Not there. <laughs> but a point where is you're anyone. starting to um, realise that, that this is kind of within your grasp um, or, or within mm-hmm. your control, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything that you think that when other people are sitting, you know, leading their teams or, or in their teams and seeing other people walking down that road, uh, and it's a road that they have maybe travelled on themselves and, and come out the other side, is this just a maturity thing and you just have to kind of feel the pain in order to come out the other side? Or is there something that we can do? And I say we as in, you know, all of us helping each other rather than, um, you know, we as the enlightened. But You know, I don't know. I think about this a lot because it's, you know, I was just talking with a former teammate the other day who really wanted to make that sort of promotion jump and felt like, you know, he was really stuck. And I think that there is like, it is just sort of time, but that urgency to get there is just, it's like crushing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being in high school. Like when you're in high school, you know, you think that you're never going to get through it and it's never going to end and everything that goes wrong is just going to like, it's, it's going to break you. And sometimes it does. And then you get out and you're like, the world is so much bigger than I thought it was in my, you know, couple hundred person high school. Like, oh, there's, I can find my tribe. I can like not have to deal with the same stuff. Oh, I've grown in maturity. Like I I do think some of it is just experience. I think the other thing that I've started to kind of like latch on to, and there's a conversation recently about like 
on Twitter that was like, you know, what was what were the, the childhood characteristics that um, were first identifiers of your current brand? And I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know that I know my brand now. <laughs> and but I was I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And I think one of the things that I I would aspire to for my brand is like real, really, truly, real, true transparency and authenticity, because I don't think us as, as leaders, um, the enlightened, the, the, I don't know, the on our paths to enlightenment. I don't, I don't think that we're doing anybody any favors by like polishing our paths or making them seem, um, easier than they are, or making them seem like more desirable than they are even. Because I think, I think it's, it's, it's more reassuring to folks who are sort of in those moments to like look up and be able to relate to somebody like very simply. Um, and sort of when I think of the folks who I could look up to when I was in those moments or who would coach me out of them, it, it was, it was their paths. And then it was sort of that like kindness and care and listening that, you know, just gave me encouragement along the way. So maybe those are those, the two things that we should be doing is just being great mentors and listening and, and having compassion and, and real empathy and, and understanding and then being honest about what's been hard for us too. Yeah, I think it's it's also human nature to kind of um, to gatekeep certain things maybe. And, and another thing that I've kind of been fascinated by over the last few months as I've talked to lots of people around it is um, this concept of the parallel I see and manage a track and mm. the idea that you could potentially manage someone who is more senior than you or, um, which is, you know, a gospel preached by, by many. And in fact, on the last episode of this podcast, I had a chap called Kevin Goldsmith who did, was at Spotify when they were rolling out their, um, their model. And he talked about how important it is that you are, feel comfortable managing people who are more senior than you who are higher earning who all that kind of stuff um, but on the ground it's really shocking to a lot of people to even consider yeah. that that would be a thing that you could do and there's this kind of natural innate power balance between a manager and a report where one has to be more senior or more important or more knowledgeable or etc cetera, etc cetera. and even just thinking about breaking that down feels important but is counter to you know, you, you want to get to a point yeah. of power and then cling on to it, you know, and, and yeah. uh, make it feel harder to get to so that it remains yours. Or It's sort of when, when your personal goals end up com- conflicting with your business or your team goals. Um, that's, that's such an interesting conversation. I don't know that I'm completely sold. I'm, I'm sold on the theory, but I haven't, I haven't seen the sort of like more junior or more junior managers managing more senior ICs. I haven't seen it go down very well. Um, And I think it's because we probably don't have the right sort of support set up or the right sort of path set up for those folks. One thing about working in Intercom that I found really interesting is we have, we've done a really good job of tracking out principal paths for our engineers. Um, And so I think we've got maybe five of them right now. And to see them in action is just such a cool thing. And their their you know their skill is working at all these different Zoom levels. They're in the weeds on a project, or they're you know bringing teams together. Um, and their ICs and they sit on 
essentially a leadership team equal to the managers. Um, and so they have, I mean, they're really true ICs, but they are respected in a way, um, in a parallel way to managers. And so it like kind of like helps with that power dynamic that you're talking about. But I, I'm like, I'm, I'm very excited about this because we're actually, we just hired our first principal, um, Patrick Mullins in London, and we're hiring one here in San Francisco too. And that's really exciting for me because I'm like, can we actually, like, we've been talking about sort of these senior IC tracks for a really long time and some companies do them better than others, but can we, can we really protect this role and craft this role in a way that makes it a real, a real parallel leadership track? And then the question is, can we at the same time develop these managers alongside to have the right kind of skills to manage someone who might, who probably has a more developed, you know, core design skill set um, than they might. I would, I'd actually, I didn't realize that that you were doing that, and I would love to talk a bit about how you how you define and how you would describe what a principal does, um, because the, for me, my what I'm seeing uh, is that principal is kind of the new uh, silver bullet for. Uh, making people more senior, you know, uh, uh, just add a title on the top, add a title on the top. Um, but yeah. I I feel kind of inherently that there needs to be more thought, <laughs> more thought into it than that. And they, they need to, their role needs to be defined beyond you can do all the, the stuff that they did, but better. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, like, I, th- I feel like um, not to knock on Facebook because I had a great experience at Facebook, but that's sort of like, you know, when you have a paragraph of a job description and then as you get past lead to, you know, one, one more step and then director level, it's like, what does that look like? What are the exemplars that we have that, you know, show different traits? So I think that's, that's what makes me excited here. And I won't take credit for, for building this system. This was, um, really um, Emmett, our other design director who put together a lot of this, but we have, what he's done is he's crafted a really, probably even too detailed rubric um, where we have like, you know, four different categories that we evaluate. Each one has like 15 different themes and it's like this extensive, massive thing, which also like on the topic of, you know, career development and expectations isn't super helpful because it needs to be like easily understood and you need to be easy easy to point something. So we're going to go ahead and iterate on that. Um, but for for me, like when I'm looking at a comprehensive role, it's very, very descriptive. And so we sort of have a guiding light of, of how these characteristics evolve over time. Um, and we've articulated those from principal to senior principal. And then looking, I mean, it, we've, I'm so grateful to have the engineers as a model who are already practicing this. And it's really like, I mean, the two things when I'm looking for a role here not to give away too much of what we're working on, but it's really about being the high-level, like, you know, super senior designer who's owning a space that might be composed of three or four different product teams or all the different product teams. And so how are you, and I, how are you identifying what the problems are with, like, cohesive experience and consistency and opportunities and vision at the same time, you know, working with a bunch of, like, really great designers on their teams and making sure that, you know, they're guiding and leading in terms of, you know, practitioner quality and output and, you know, good product thinking and all those things that we would expect of them. And that's, that's like a really cool thing 
for for even senior designers to have is to have somebody to look up to and somebody who's going to have like blaze that path for you. And then this, you know, a principal might actually need to take on a full project, a track of work and like execute it at excellence. And that's sort of that piece that's like, just do it like everybody else, but better. But I think there has to be like a significant role shift. So that's like the product work. And then on top of it, it's like, how do they work with myself and Emmett and our other design managers to make sure our design culture and our design operations um, are super effective and super efficient? How are they collaborating with, you know, similar level engineers and product managers who are at this high level um, and, you know, company strategy and things like that. So there's, it's, it's a large space, but I think it's like defined enough in the different areas and how far developed they are that I think it's, I think it's a cool opportunity. Like I kind of, like, I know, I know I was always meant to be a manager, but like, I kind of wonder if I'd seen something like this, if I would have maybe like stayed on the IC track for a little bit longer. Totally. I mean, I saw in London, there was a, a Spotify principal designer position. I read through that and I just thought, that is definitely what I would want to be doing if I wasn't doing what I was doing. Like if there was any way for me to be doing that, it would be doing, be trying to do something like that because it just felt so cool. And for a product that, you know, is, is really special, Uh, which, you know, Intercom is as well. It's, it's um, a product that as designers, you kind of, follow along as kind of a, I'm sure you were a fan before you were an employee, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've, it it was back to sort of like when you leave a job and you get to be really intentional. Um, I, at Udacity, there was a lot of things that I dealt with that I love dealing with. And there were a lot of things that were really hard. Um, And one of the things I sort of walked away with was, I I don't want to fight for design and research to have a seat at the table. Like, I don't want to put together design operations. I can do it. It's not what I get my energy from. Um, and I found like more and more of my time was being spent in those sorts of things. And th- one of the things that I have really come to value about Intercom, and I, I knew this coming into, was the two co-founders, um, Des and Owen, were actually designers. <laughs> um, and my boss, Paul, um, Paul Adams, our VP of product, was a designer at Google and at Facebook. So to have that under, not, it's not even just the understanding, but the integration of design into practice in, in, in a really like, not like we need to be design led because no company should be design led. Like we need to partner in leadership at the top of our companies, but to have that already like infused into our process and into our culture, that was like a no brainer for me. It's like, I want to work for these people. Absolutely. And it's, it's like, it's, it's actually really, um, been a, been a breath of fresh air for me. So uh, around the time you joined, or, or maybe just just after you joined, there was it was International Women's Day, and I yeah. saw that Intercom did this really, uh, really cool kind of. I don't even know how to describe it. It was a microsite, I suppose, yeah. with, with yeah. uh, employees doing uh, quoting and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, you were probably kind of joined some way through that process. A little window into how. Intercom, you know, decided to to do that and and the impact of it. And um, on the one hand, it's amazing to be supporting things like that. And um, but then, uh, how to make sure that that doesn't kind of flip into this is a, a PR stunt to capitalize on on a hashtag? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's definitely not a PR stunt. Like I, I will say, like we ha- we're we're not at a great place of diversity at intercom and i'm saying this because no one is um there's very few companies i was really impressed by the um operations that CZI put into place and the um 
how effective we were at building really fantastic, inclusive, and diverse teams. Um, and that's probably been the one company that I would call out from my experience as being exemplary. Um, you know, we're, we're a company founded in Dublin, and Dublin is, you know, primarily white. So a lot of our, our leadership tends to still be in the white male bucket. But um, what I, this is one of actually the, one of the first questions I asked in my interview too, once I started to talk to some of our, our leaders was, you know, like, what's the diversity plan? And I can tell you, like, there's, there's a, there's a lot of investment. I think it's going to, you know, diversity and inclusion is something that takes a really, really long time to make significant change in. And so that the International Women's Day site was an example of that. And I think that's, to me, that's the most important impact of an, of even like a site like that is to sort of like bring together that camaraderie through inclusion. And I'm like, even as I said camaraderie, I'm like, I don't know that that's the right word because that like kind of feels like you're the people like you and inclusion is the opposite of that. It's like making people who are different than you feel like they're a part of your, your, um, your community and things, things like that, I think are just super important for us in the stage that we're in, in our, in our DNI journey right now. Absolutely. How big is the design team and, and what's the kind of setup? My design team here in San Francisco is really small. We're going to, I think, tap out at about five designers once we've hired our roles, which is an interesting thing for me. My last team was 20 and I was managing research and now I'm not managing research anymore. And I, I love it because it gives me such focus on my team. Um, we have three researchers here and we're um, hiring for a content designer as well. Um, I would say London's pretty parallel in size, and then Dublin might be about twice the size. Um, so I think we're around like 25. I'm totally making this up because I actually, I don't know. <laughs> Finally, uh, before I let you go, uh, I just wanted to, well, first of all, give you a chance to um, plug something. If Where do we find you? <laughs> And I, I assume it's comma hiring. It sounds like they are. So we are hiring. We're hiring for um, right now. I think we've got open roles for the principal and then either a, a mid level or a senior designer. We are hiring in San Francisco, not remotely. Sadly, we're also looking for a research manager and a researcher, a senior researcher here. And there's a bunch of roles in, in Dublin and London. I know in, in um, Dublin particularly, we're looking for a design manager, which would be a super fun opportunity. There's moments where I'm like. I mean, I could take a manager role and move to Dublin. That sounds like fun. It's like my, my dream change. of living in some other country. I'm like around. I would like to say things like, oh, you can find me on Twitter, which you can. And you could totally message me on Twitter. I'm like more of one of those observers. One of the coolest things that my first week when I started, I went to Dublin and we did a bunch of leadership offsites. And the reception for my first day to be at a leadership offsite was just so warm and lovely. It was outstanding, but we did this exercise facilitated by um, Eve, who's our L&D person, about, you know, the color exercise where you figure out what color you are. And, you know, most people in leadership are these red and yellow, these sort of like um, uh, decisive type A (laughs) decision making social people. And I am not. (laughs) I am a blue green, which means I'm more like inclusive, but I'm super introverted and my like superpowers and observing. (laughs) So most of (laughs) Most of the social media is that's what I tend to do. I watch. That's, that's... I'm not watching you creepily. I'm just like I'm observing and I'm taking things in and learning and forming my own perspective. But Twitter is probably the best place. This may be creepy because I spotted that you have a Frenchie. Is it? Is your Frenchie yes. called Bacon? Bacon. 
Yes. You can find bacon at Bits of Bacon the Frenchie on Instagram. Okay, there you go. much because it gets harder when she's not a puppy and she's not as cute. She's real ugly. She's so ugly. <laughs> but you love her. <laughs> we do. And we want to get her a sister. And we're, I don't know if I should say the name out loud, but why not? We're, we want to get her a sister and name her Meatloaf. Like a sister dog, not a sister kid. Naming a kid Meatloaf would be strange. Well, Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that note. <laughs> you've got to have goals. <laughs> yep, there we go. <laughs> I can achieve that one. <laughs> um, well, Jasmine, thank you very much for joining me um, and have a fantastic rest of your day. All righty. Thank you so much. <laughs>